Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Wonky Podcast. I'm Debbie McVitie, the editor of Wonky, and I recently sat down with Welsh Education Minister Kirsty Williams to discuss higher education, what it's like to work with vice-chancellors, and the juggling act of being a woman in public life. So Kirsty, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. I wanted to start by looking right across your education portfolio. All the evidence says this is a really challenging time to be young. I think you're absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I have a 17-year-old daughter who's just about to take her AS levels and is thinking about what she will, she will do uh, next. And I'm engaged in a round of uh, university open day uh, visits. But uh, underlying her optimism and her excitement at the prospect of moving away from me and and, and branching out on her own is that anxiety uh, about. Uh, am I making the right decision? Uh, what will this mean for me? So I think it is a really, um, a really challenging time uh, for uh, young people. Uh, there are worries about um, issues around, can I afford to go to university? Uh, there are high expectations on our young people to perform really well, which does have an impact on mental health. So my job, as I see it, as the Minister for Education uh, in Wales, is to be able to listen to those concerns and to respond to them in a positive way. And it's by listening to young people, uh, students, uh, would-be students, uh, has shaped the policies that we're introducing, whether that be our diamond reforms uh, that look to support people with their living costs at university, uh, whether that be the uh, new money that we've been able to give to our funding council to support universities to uh, better develop their uh, help for students to maintain their mental health. Uh, and if uh, if they do become unwell, that they get the adequate support uh, for that. So being able to listen to young people and uh, to use the powers and the resources that the Welsh Government has to try and lessen some of those worries and to be able to back the optimism that they do have uh, about their futures and try and temper the things that are worrying them. We're in the first year of a new student support system for higher education in Wales. Can you give us a sense of how you think it's going from your perspective? Uh, well, it's, uh, as you say, we are in the uh, the the first academic year where stu- Welsh students have been uh, entitled to our new support uh, programme, which does indeed focus on uh, living costs. So uh, for those perhaps that are uh, unfamiliar or unsighted on the Welsh system, um, uh, all students are, are, uh, are supported with a minimum level of grant. So whatever your financial background, uh, all Welsh students uh, receive £1,000 to support their living costs. And then of course we have a uh, an arrangement where those from 
uh, more challenging socioeconomic backgrounds are supported uh, via grant uh, with their living costs to a maximum of uh, the equivalent of the living wage of just over £9,000. Uh, what we know is that the average Welsh student is in receipt of a grant of approximately £7,000. That's money that is helping them address their living costs, their, their accommodation fees, their, their resources, feeding themselves. Uh, and the uh, reaction from Welsh students has been really, really positive. Uh, but of course, that's just one small part of our reforms that we've undertaken. Uh, those uh, That level of support is also available uh, to our part-time students, which is a unique part of the Welsh uh, system. Uh, we've seen a significant uh, impact of that policy change. So we know from figures from the student loans company that we have seen a 35% increase in the number of part-time students uh, that, uh, that they are supporting. And if we look at uh, our Open University, University here in Wales, they are reporting a 50% uh, increase uh, in uh, students starting courses uh, with them, which is in stark contrast to what we continue to see across the border in England, where there is, you know, uh, real pressure on the part-time uh, sector. So we have interim measures this year for postgraduates, but we will be able to move to uh, full integration of our postgraduates into our system uh, for the new academic year, where they too will be treated uh, the same as as undergraduate students and they will be entitled uh, to uh, to support uh, also. Uh, and I'm really proud. Uh, I'm really proud uh, of uh, the fact that we've been able to introduce these reforms. Uh, my officials have worked incredibly hard to ensure that the infrastructure from the Students' Loans Company, for instance, has been in place to be able to put these reforms into practice. And the response that we've had from students, I believe, is speaking, uh, speaking for itself in terms of global numbers and overall figures. But what's really important to me is those individual stories from individual students who are, especially from those from non-traditional backgrounds, who are the first in their families to go to university and they are able to enjoy that experience, concentrate on their studies without having to worry about how they're going to afford to pay their rent next week. Now, one of the interesting things about Wales is that you've been looking at student support beyond undergraduate level. Can you give us a sense of the thinking and the direction of travel on that? Uh, I think um, I think it's uh, I think it's really important to recognise how many students want to study at a post uh, at a postgraduate level uh, now. Very different from you know the traditional patterns when I was at university, and in in a way uh, because of the growth in numbers at um, at undergraduate level, it's almost it's you know it's almost become the new social mobility challenge that we really really have to tackle. I believe, uh, and making sure that the access to postgraduate study doesn't become the preserve of a certain type of individual from a certain type of background that has the ability to go on uh, to go on and uh, and do that uh, but it is uh, so it's part of you know recognizing uh, and addressing issues around social mobility but it's also about the future of the Welsh nation and the Welsh economy you know we uh, we need to ensure uh, that we uh, have people uh, in Wales with those high levels of qualifications uh, if we're to, to grow our economy. So uh, that's why it's really important that we recognise, yes, there is benefit to the individual uh, and we expect the individual, you know, to play their part in that. But there is also benefit to the nation uh, by uh, by increasing pe uh, individuals' uh, skills levels. That's that's a, a public good uh, 
in itself and that's why we want to play our part in ensuring that people have those opportunities. Obviously in England we're expecting the auger review of post-18 education and funding uh, any day now. Are you worried about the impact that, say, a cut in fees could have in Wales? Oh, I think we can speculate about what comes out of it. Whether whether it would do any good, I don't know. It seems to me, you know, one day we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, cap on grades, and then we're not talking about three Ds, and then we're talking about uh, maintenance grants, and then we're not taking. Them. So we can speculate, but you're right. In the end, we'll just have to wait and see. We have to be patient and wait to see what actually comes out. Now, one of the really unique things that's going on in Wales right now is the creation of a single funder and regulator for all of post-compulsory education. What is it that you're trying to achieve here? Well, um, well, what we're trying to do is create a commission that will have, as you said, complete oversight of the post-compulsory sector in its entirety, uh, recognising the uh, the huge array, array of opportunities that are available uh, for for students and how they may choose to learn, whether that's a tr- in a traditional degree course, whether that's one of our new uh, degree apprenticeship courses, whether uh, whether they want to move between seamlessly between FE and HE, uh, our work-based learners, uh, as well, of course, as our sixth forms, which will be also be part of the commission. And what it gives us the opportunity to do is to break down uh, some of those uh, institutional barriers, create uh, clear pathways uh, for individual students to move uh, between um, be- between different uh, providers, maybe at different points uh, in their life uh, to ensure that there's good uh, uh, value for money, uh, getting rid of some of the duplication that in, uh, that does exist in the system at, at the moment at a time when resources are difficult, we can't afford uh, to have that, as well as ensuring that we have a sector that is um, high quality and enjoys public uh, confidence. So it's a it's a huge it's a huge reform, uh, but I think if we're to if we're to ensure that the post-compulsory education and training needs of our citizens and and of our economy uh, is to be addressed, then we have to break down some of the traditional uh, barriers that we have uh, that we have had, and that we get better uh, we get some better uh, planning uh, in that system uh, as well, and uh, and then we can continue to drive uh, drive quality up. We've got some you know, fantastic institutions. Uh, FE is a particular strength of the Welsh education system. And that's not me saying that. That's recognised by uh, our chief inspector of um, uh, of schools and colleges. Uh, so, you know, uh, and often they are the, um, you know, they don't get the attention that they deserve, but they're providing some fantastic opportunities uh, for, uh, for, Welsh, uh, for Welsh learners. So being able to um, get that sector working more closely together uh, I think is good for good for the citizen and it'll be good for the nation. It'll be a really big culture shift for universities though. Oh yes. As they've traditionally yes, had much more autonomy than FE colleges. How do you imagine the new body will uh, navigate between the expectations and experiences of the different types of provider? Uh, well, uh, well, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, in many of the conversations I have with uh, HE institutions and their boards, uh, the issue of... Um, uh, autonomy is a really important one. And, uh, you know, and I, uh, take every opportunity that I can to reassure people that we're not in the business of, uh, of uh, curtailing the autonomy of our higher education institutions. And yes, in some ways, FE, uh, is, is regulated, uh, in, in a different way. Uh, but 
I think it is absolutely possible. And of course, we've had some uh, advice from Harvey Weingarten about how we would look at quality systems and, uh, you know, from a, from that, you know, from learning from best international practice. So I don't think these problems are insurmountable, but it's natural. It's absolutely natural and perfectly understandable why perhaps our, our, our colleagues in HE, you know, uh, there's a certain sense of nervousness about this, but I just want to be able to reassure them that we're not looking to undermine the principles of autonomy for uh, our HE providers. What I am interested in in doing is ensuring that there uh, that there the benefits uh, that can be accrued from that system are also enjoyed by other parts of the sector, uh, and that we get uh, some of those barriers actually um, because of different regulatory regimes can be can be overcome and provide a more seamless uh, system. But I'm confident that 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 can become. But I understand why they would be concerned. One of the central challenges you're trying to address is the age-old quest for parity of esteem between technical vocational and academic qualifications. How will the new body uh, take that forward? Well, it, it is a challenge, isn't it? Uh, and the challenge uh, in our in our new system won't just be uh, about uh, technical versus uh, HE degrees at a university. It'll happen earlier on because um, our six forms that uh, predominantly deliver A-levels will be sitting alongside FE colleges, which obviously offer a wide variety of post-16 qualifications. And that the, the issue of parity of esteem starts, you know, starts at that point. What's important to me is that uh, that the the new commission will have uh, oversight over the over the entirety of that situation. I think that in itself actually gives an equal status. It sends a very clear message that all of these issues are, are on all of this provision is of equal value because it's actually overseen by this independent body rather than there's a bit of it over here and a bit the Welsh government thinks about this bit of it but actually we've got a higher education funding council because they're so important that sits over there so actually having a single body that says actually all provision all post-compulsory education uh, is important I think is, is really important we can plan uh, address gaps that we have uh, in in the system uh, but crucially what's important to me is that we should never boil this down to a simple numbers game. For me, it's about ensuring that learners of whatever age, because sometimes these debates tend to crystallise, don't they, about a traditional 18-year-old. But actually, this is about educational and learning and training provision uh, for all ages, uh, is that people are given uh, the right advice so they can make the right choices for them to reach their aspirations. Uh, and uh, uh, and I'm clear that there are uh, there's a plethora of ways that individuals can do that for some people. It will be that degree course that they will need to do to reach where they want to be. For other people, for other students, other learners, there may be a different path which is more relevant and will help them be the success that they want to be. So it's not about numbers, it's about making sure that Welsh people, uh, Welsh uh, learners uh, have given the advice and have got the ability uh, to uh, receive that provision and also to be able to move between different providers uh, rather than... Uh, I was meeting... I, sp I spoke to a young... A young boy recently in school, he's 13 years old, 14 years old. And I asked him, you know, had he begun to think about what he might want to do next? And he said to me, well, I can't quite decide. I don't know whether I want to do a degree in a university or whether I should do an apprenticeship. I don't want that youngster to have to decide. Uh, that's a false choice. That's a false choice. I want him to be able to do both of those things and create a system as we're beginning to 
that he is able to do both of those both of those things and i think that's what the commission that's what the commission will give us how would you say your own values and experiences of education are shaped what you bring to this role there are lots and lots of reasons uh, why people come to education will want to come to education later in life i think about i think about it in my own family uh, my uncle who left school at who left school at 16 uh, who then went back decades later uh, at his local FE college to do a night class for a GCSE and loved that experience and turned that experience into an A-level. And the day he got his A-level result, he was made redundant from a yet another building site. And he walked from the building site in his construction clothes to his local institution and said, I just got an A today in my A-level. What what can I do next? And went on to get his degree, you know, and the pride of my grandma in her 70s going to her son's graduation, you know, that just shows. And in terms of and in terms of transforming individuals lives and then the impact that that individual can have in their community on future generations to come. So I've seen the power of that in my own family's experience. And if we can turn Wales into a nation where people can go back at any time. Uh, then uh, I think alongside my reforms to uh, student finance, those will be two of my biggest things that I'm biggest proud of when I, when, when I eventually leave this job. How do you find working with vice-chancellors? Are they supportive of your agenda? Uh, well, uh, I'm very fortunate. I'm very, very fortunate to, to work alongside uh, some amazing vice chancellors and college uh, and college leaders, uh, and uh, and I'm and I'm very grateful for them for the time that they are always willing to give me to sit down to talk about some of these issues, uh, because. Um, hearing directly from them and working collaboratively together, I think we can uh, we can achieve a, a, achieve a great deal. So, um, you know, uh, clearly, uh, you know, sometimes those conversations are difficult and they're challenging. They're challenging to me. Sometimes I think maybe I'm challenging back to them about what I what I'd like to see them doing but uh, they're invaluable and I'm fortunate to work alongside uh, a group of professionals as you can imagine at the moment huge anxiety about Brexit uh, dominating every conversation and one of the uh, and, and that creates a lack of bandwidth sometimes for other things that we need to talk about in the sector we and the sector wants to talk about but at the moment uh, understandably uh, issues around brexit the potential impact on brexit are front and center in all the conversations that uh, i have uh, with my vice chancellors uh, but uh, it, you know, these are really, really unsettled times uh, for them. And we've been very clear from the moment uh, the referendum took place, uh, we established a HE uh, working group straight away to, to, to be in to talk about those issues and to do what we can to, to mitigate them and to work with the sector to give them as much stability as they want. But at the moment, uh, all conversations are, are dominated by Brexit. As a woman in leadership, who's also got a family life find particularly challenging about your role oh my goodness me um i think uh gosh it's um it's a challenge and any woman uh, that tells you it's not a challenge i suspect is perhaps not being as forthright uh, and honest as they could be uh, look just like any other working uh working mum 
Uh, I suffer from all the same anxieties. Uh, when you're in work, you're really worrying what's going on at home and have you have you not done something or done something? Oh, my goodness me. And then when you're at home, you're thinking about the emails that you haven't signed off on yet and the decisions that are waiting for you. So it's um, it's a real it's a real uh, it's a real juggling act. But any woman that is out there working in whatever level knows the challenges uh, that that um, that that brings. Um, what uh, what keeps me going is the. Uh, I'm very fortunate. My girls. I have three daughters, seventeen, fourteen, and uh, and soon to be thirteen. Uh, they've never known any difference. So I I had my children after I was already uh, an elected politician. Uh, being the minister certainly added a new dimension uh, to some of the challenges uh, that we face that we face uh, that we face as a family. But um, uh, all I would say to to women uh, is, and you know, we know in academia, in our universities, that there is an imbalance, and we need women uh, to uh, to play a, a bigger a, a bigger role is that one um surround yourself with people who are going to be supportive of you two be kind to yourself you cannot do it all something has to give I suffer from what I call chaos can't have anybody over syndrome because the house is a mess something has to give uh, I need at least 24 hours notice if somebody's going to pop around for a cup of coffee so that I can shove everything in the cupboard under the stairs so be kind to yourself recognize that it is impossible to do it at all uh, and thirdly I think it's really important to recognise is that no matter how important other people perceive you to be, you know, you still have that person sometimes on your shoulder that is whispering in your ear that today is the day that you're going to be found out for not being the person that should be doing uh, this job. And at each step in my career, that voice was there when I became an assembly member at the age of 28. Uh, that voice was there when I became the first leader of a political party, a female leader of a political party uh, in Wales. When I became the leader of the Welsh Liberal Democrats, and sometimes I admit, sometimes it's there now as the Minister for Education. But what I always tell girls that I meet when I'm out in schools is that you have got to push that voice away, and you have got to believe in yourself. Uh, and you have got to push through that fear and do it because you can. And um, I just hope that uh, when my daughters, who are really cross because there's not stuff for pack lunch and the kit isn't ready or I have uh, forgotten to phone somebody that I promised to phone and sometimes they have to have not very exciting birthday presents because it's what I've been able to grab hold of. You know, I just hope especially as the mother of three girls, that I have set an example uh, for them that they will have the self-belief that whatever it is they want to do, and um, it changes every day of the week, as you can imagine, that they just bring passion to it and that they can achieve their goals. It's uh, anybody, I mean, it's so hard for women, I think, 
and, and, and for men, you know, we live our lives online now, don't we? And we see those Instagram pictures of the perfect meal and the perfectly curated front room or the perfectly curated outfit or holiday or, you know, the children in matching, you know, matching outfits. And we put immense pressure on ourselves to live up to those expectations. That's not real. That's not real life. That's not how most women are living their lives. And as I said, we've just got to be a bit more honest about the struggles we all face, not pretend that everything is easy, and we just need to be a bit kinder to ourselves and to the sisterhood. Kirsty Williams, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the podcast today.